0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about building a site from scratch versus buying one that is already getting traffic or even a done-for-you site. So I'm going to give some of the pros and cons there. I'm also going to give an update on the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign that niche website Builders is working on for me and some random thoughts. So I believe... If I'm looking at the calendar right, this episode is being published on December 31st, the last day of the year. It's crazy to think about all the episodes we've done. We are at episode 210 or so, and I've been publishing two episodes per week for two years. Which, well, it adds up over time. So pretty crazy. I have plenty of other episodes in the hopper. Well, not not the hopper. They're they're not done yet, but I have ideas for more episodes. And part of the luxury of I guess getting questions via email are episodes like this one. So this email was sent to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it out in, in a moment or two here, but it's from Cam. And Cam had some thoughts on the previous episode. And I may be getting a couple episodes goofed up here. I can't remember. Which numbers maybe we numbered. I think uh, maybe we numbered them wrong. Looks like we could have numbered a couple of them wrong. We potentially have two episodes 209. But that's neither here nor there. Cam sent an email about the episode last week titled, I bought an episode it in a tanked and what to do. So that was from Lisa, another email questions. So the great part with getting these email questions is I'm able to help someone specifically, hopefully help them, and then it gets other people thinking deeper on maybe topics they weren't thinking of and you know this is where you know cam comes from. So we'll get into some of the details there and then I'm going to talk about some random thoughts, just some some random things as I do. I may pepper them throughout the episode and one of them I have a couple of post-it notes one of them is about procrastinating and literally today I was I knew I, I needed to do a couple of things like record this episode check some emails I owed someone a, a site audit you know one of my one of my students needed me to t- take a look and basically record a screen share so I could tell him exactly my thoughts on the site so I was kind of putting a couple things off and I was procrastinating. And I was like, hey, you know what? It's okay. I need to get into the mode. I'm going to reply back to a couple emails, which is kind of like a, it's a way to procrastinate, but not actually do something really unproductive. So I replied to a couple emails and then I checked my end of year numbers, my personal investment accounts at the end of the year, you know, it's kind of fun to check and see what kind of progress you made. And it's, it was a good year from an investment standpoint. So felt felt good and it was a nice way to start the day. So if you do find yourself, you just need a break to ease into the workday. If If you can do something moderately productive or fake productive, something, it's, it's okay to do. And like I said, I, I hopped in and even reply back to a couple emails. No particular order, I was just like, you know what, I think I'm gonna answer this person, let them know my thoughts on whatever question he or her asked, and it was good. And then I, I did the work that I was just talking about, including recording this episode. I wanna give a shout out to Ezoic and their site speed accelerator. It helps your site load faster. It increases the website speed. It improves the load time and they guarantee an 80 or higher on the Google PageSpeed Insight score after one week using the SiteSpeed Accelerator. There's a seven day free trial, so there's no reason to check, there's no reason to not check it out. There's a, there's a very good reason to check it out because it'll help your site load faster and it'll work with any kind of site, affiliate sites, B2B, B2C, e-commerce, enterprise, and basically any kind of site. It doesn't have to be WordPress. In fact, I recommend, if you, even, if you use WordPress, you should probably integrate with the SiteSpeed Accelerator using the DNS integration, not the WordPress plugin. I like to minimize the number of plugins and you get a little more functionality by integrating with the DNS. So thanks to eZoic for sponsoring this episode. If you didn't listen to the episode last week uh, with Lisa's question, one of the episodes that is uh, 209, I don't know what happened there. I think I just I labeled it wrong in my Trello board there, and then it got just propagated. The mistake propagated all the way to the actual episode. Lisa bought a site. She was concerned because she's put a lot of money into it, and the traffic and earnings have dropped significantly since she purchased the site. Cam wrote an email with his thoughts and I will, I'm going to read them almost verbatim and quick backstory on Cam. He works uh, full-time. He's a designer. He's building a site on the side. He's a father of three. His site's two years old and I mean, he's a father of three, so it's times limited. There's 50 articles. There's 8,000 visitors per month. And he's making about $260 between Amazon and Ezoic. So he's he's working. He's working on the side here. Cam says this, hope you're well. I'm a longtime listener. I've been implementing some of the strategies that you talk about. Thank you for publishing such great content. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. This podcast episode uh, made me want to give you some feedback. Hearing Lisa's question and story made me think of a few things. First, you gave good high-level advice, referencing Seth Godin, that's a good call, and I know you need to be nice with your listeners, but I just couldn't help but thinking that something is off with that situation. You mentioned the price of the site being way too high. This is a fact, but why would she buy that site at the insane price, and the way she bought it seemed a little weird. For me, this is a clue of the root of the problem. She simply doesn't know what she's doing either on the technical SEO and analysis side or the content side. Plus, you mentioned she was flipping between different business models. Overall, I believe she's out of her depth. This is why I believe in learning the ropes by building your first site. And this is what I'm doing now. And that said, if you have money to burn and you don't care to learn, I would recommend investing in partnering with an expert person or a service. This is what I recommend for Lisa, pay someone with expertise to do a technical and content analysis in order to see if the site can be saved. Not sure if niche website builders is fully doing that, but anyways, if she's not going to learn SEO and content, she should pay someone else too. Sorry, the inflection was a little off there. (laughs) If not, cut the loss and move on. Anyway, that's what I was thinking while I was listening and much appreciated cam and you said hey i'm just having a beer on christmas eve and cheers if you read this far cam it's great that you were listening to the episode and i agree with a lot of your thoughts and that sort of spawned the you know thoughts about this episode where really we're going to talk about buying a site versus building it from scratch and i've talked a a little bit about similar ideas, but a couple couple things right off the bat. Number one, there's a chance we don't know the full picture of what Lisa was dealing with. So I asked her some follow-up questions, but they may have been maybe a little too specific. And that means I could have asked, what are the Amazon earnings because that's what she was referencing. But the site could have been earning from different sources. So she even mentioned that the original owner of the website was selling guest posts and that could be pretty lucrative. So if she's not doing that anymore, that could be hundreds of dollars per month. Now, the other thing is she could be earning money from display ads or other other ad type uh, revenue. So regardless, we don't have all of the details, but it did sound like it was a little overpriced. Now, the way she purchased it for people that don't recall, she was doing research on a particular niche and there was a pop-up on the website and it said, hey, I'm selling the site. If you're interested, shoot me an email. She went that route and ended up buying it directly from the owner of the site, which is an okay thing to do if you have expertise in the specific area. And this is kind of the root of the issue. So people have hired me to vet a site before they purchase it. And I think it's, it's pretty risky to purchase a site if you're inexperienced and you don't have someone that can help you out and just take a look. Hey, it, does this price make sense for what's going on? Are there any big red flags to look out for? And I mean, I, I charge a decent amount for my hourly rate. I mean, it's decent for me. People will think it's crazy high or crazy low, depending on their perspective, but I charge 447 for an hour of my time. And I would say if you're, if you're about to buy something, that cost you know five or six figures. It's probably worth it to pay someone four hundred and fifty bucks to let you know, hey, everything looks okay, or hey, there's a major issue here. And that is exactly why you pay a home expect inspector or um, other experts in different industries a pretty hefty fee because if it can save you from a mistake, it's well worth the price. I think that is the case here. Like if Lisa hired me, for example, I maybe would have said, well, if the person's making this much money from the guest post that they're selling, then that's potentially a red flag if you're not going to continue to do it. And it could send poor SEO signals to Google. That said, the issue that Lisa ran into is it was hit, her site was hit by one of the algorithm updates. Now, the fact is that can ha- happen to almost any site, whether they're actively building links, if there's no links at all, it can happen, right? If, if someone's doing something risky, you can get a penalty. If you are not doing anything risky and not building any links, you could still be impacted by an algorithm update. It's totally possible, very common very common to happen. So trying to think if there's any other details with this site and what was going on with Lisa here. Okay, so moving on to Cam's real point here. And he said, I'm learning the ropes by building my own site first. And that's what I did. So I identify closely with this. I agree with you, Cam. I normally recommend people go ahead and build a site, even if they think, you know what, I, I have the revenue to pur- or, or I guess capital to purchase a site and I'm happy to do it. I want to invest. I think it's a great exercise to like go through six to 12 weeks of working on a site, doing the research, doing keyword research, doing the competition analysis, figuring out how to hire people if you're gonna hire writers, write the content yourself. Like there's so many things that you learn in the process that'll be very helpful if you buy a site. You really, I mean, you could still learn it if you buy a site, but it's a little bit easier in my opinion to identify it ahead of time by doing the work so that you know exactly when you, you're, say, reviewing the WordPress theme or the plugins, you have firsthand knowledge of why you put certain plugins on the site and you can go through and question, like, why is this plugin on here and kind of have a better understanding? So I'll hit some of the pros and cons. When I've talked about this topic in the past, it's been framed around building a site from scratch versus buying it done for you. And I have been... I would say relatively outspoken in that I generally don't recommend people buy done for you sites, even though um an affiliate for multiple companies that do it. And I think I mean, they're happy that they're selling stuff. And I mean, i I give my opinion, which is biased. I mean, I said this whenever I come out in this, uh, I guess, framing of Birch purchasing a done for you site. Basically, I'm biased, right? I sell courses and tell people how to build a site. So I'm completely biased, right? I I probably do better off if people buy my course, build a site from scratch and go from there. However, after some time, it was very clear to me that people were buying done for you sites. They didn't know exactly what to do. And then they would come to me and either learn from my free content or buy a course or both. So it worked out okay, and you know the the vendors that I work with, they put out a good product, and they're well. I guess they're okay with me saying what I say, and continuing to sell their done for you sites, even even though I'm saying, hey, don't don't buy those sites. But if you do, well, I'll get a commission. I guess that's the whole point there. So, let's hit these pros and cons. Number 1, and I kind of alluded to it before. Learn the skills of running a site. If you are building it from scratch, you kind of learn the whole process. And that's why I really like a, you know, quick sprint of work if you if you have the time and ability to do it, where you just launch a site. You'll do everything start to finish and I like to look at sprints of work where you're really doing kind of an MVP, minimum viable product, where you're launching a site, you're publishing content, and it is sort of an encapsulated piece of work that's done, that's able to earn you money. If you were to just do keyword research, for example, and maybe set up the site, but not publish the content yet, you might have a thousand keywords that are fantastic, but until you publish all that content, you don't have a finished piece of work. You just have a partially finished unit that needs to be coupled with a finished product, which is like the content. So people can land on the site, buy products and that sort of thing. So you learn skills in SEO, keyword research, content, and I guess writing if you're gonna write it yourself, or hiring writers to write the content for you you'll learn about the topic if you're not already familiar with it and just in general you're putting together a kind of a full stack of skills around digital marketing so creating this site start to finish may not be your thing you may realize hey i don't want to do this anymore but i really like to do wordpress coding and design i really like setting up websites maybe that ends up being your thing. A lot of people need websites or maybe you realize you're really good at hiring writers, managing them and getting work done and having a high quality product at the end. That's fantastic. Maybe you stick with that and you start a content agency. I've seen this happen over and over again. It's very, I guess it's very standard. It's not unusual for someone to, hone in on a specific area, and then they deep dive in that area. Number two, the other big advantage with starting your own site is it's gonna be way cheaper. It's very expensive to buy an existing site, especially if it's earning. You're gonna be paying some multiple of the earnings. There's some pretty standard formulas, kind of ballpark. It's roughly 30 times the monthly profit So if a site is making $100 per month profit, right? So that's the revenue minus the expenses and any other admin costs, all the expenses. You can't forget any of those. If it's making 100 bucks profit times 30, that's 3,000 bucks, right? So $3,000. And even if you're buying a site that isn't earning yet, But it's a done for you site that I was talking about before where essentially a company, well, I'm just going to make up a package. Basically, they have a site. It's already loaded onto a hosting package. It already has a theme, has standard plugins, and it'll have, for example, 20 articles that are a thousand words each and maybe five articles that are 3000 words. And it's already set up, ready to go. All you have to do is transfer the website onto your hosting account, get access to the site, put in your affiliate links, and you're ready to go. The, I mean, it sounds pretty good, right? It's still very expensive, though. There are different ranges depending on how much content you might get on your site initially. There are some companies that sell sites that are done for you, but they get a little traffic and they're earning money. So those are interesting because you kind of have the advantage of knowing that some of the content is good enough for people to actually get there by searching for it on Google, it's ranking, and they make it over to the site. So there's definitely some value there, which we'll get into. And I mean, the other thing is if you build a site, but you do have some capital, you can still save a lot of money. So if you were to outsource the tasks, it'll probably still be cheaper for you to do it than if you purchased it through a company. You can hire someone to do the keyword research, you can hire writers, you can hire someone to set up the site and set up the hosting and all those details. It can get a little expensive if you go to higher end writers or high end agencies that produce content that can get more expensive, But if you hire just individuals from Upwork, or maybe you go to say text broker or some of those other services out there, you may find it's fairly inexpensive. You can get the content for the fraction of the price that you would be paying. So overall, those are the two like big things. The third reason here is if you start a site yourself, you know exactly what you're dealing with. I was talking about plugins, and themes before, let's say you buy a site and there's 15 or 18 plugins. You may not have any background on why or where that plugin is used. Sometimes it may be totally valid to have that plugin, it's useful, you need to have it on there. But then other times it's really unclear. A lot of times I will see plugins that have duplicate functionality and I'm not sure why both of them are on there. So I recently purchased a site and there were two plugins that kind of were dealing with 404 errors and redirection of like 301 redirects for certain URLs. I'm not sure why both of those are on the site. And if you if you purchase a site and you don't know to ask all those questions, you may be in a situation where you're not sure if you can get rid of them. You're not sure how to see where that plugin is used, if it's used at all. Further, I was looking at one of my WordPress installs where I typically, I I mess around a little bit with uh, some of the PHP, try not to do too much. I mean, usually I'm just copying code from somewhere else and piecing it together, testing, seeing, seeing if it'll work. Basically, I wrote a little bit of code to no index, category, tag, and other archive pages because I don't want those to be in the Google index. That is buried in a PHP PHP file in my themes folder and if you don't know to look there, you would have no idea why that code is in there. You would have no idea where to look. You wouldn't know why the archive pages are not indexed. So with those sort of little things, You just don't know what's going on, especially if some joker like me can write a little bit of PHP and do things that normally you would expect to have a plugin in there for. By the way, if you're interested in that code, let me know. I think I could probably uh, distribute that or maybe that'd make a good YouTube video. I'm not sure where you put it if you use a different theme, but I suspect it's pretty similar. So if you build the site from scratch, you know about all the skeletons in the closet, you're the one that put them there and you're just aware. Now, that's not to say you know, you shouldn't buy a site at all, but once you get more experience, you kinda know a few things to look for if you see strange behavior here or there. You may not not know how to solve it, but you may know who to go to. You may know you need to go to a developer to investigate why certain things are the way they are. So, in a second, I'm gonna tell you about some of the advantages of buying an existing site and a done-for-you site. I mean, there are definitely some advantages. Before I go on to that, one of my other little sticky notes here. I use a lot of Post-it notes. I got the, I get the colored kind, you buy a, you know, like a brick of them. I got Sharpies all around. I'll just make random notes. So, occasionally, it looks like a mess in here with just different colors, sticky notes. I don't have a system. There's just sticky notes. It looks like a crazy person works here. Maybe they do. The thought that I had was about rework. I recently had to write a uh, sales page. So I was kind of like revising it. So I didn't write it from scratch, but I had to revise it. And I was using a little tool called Thrive Architect. Which longtime listeners of the show, you know that I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of page builders. It's it's really not Thrive specifically. It's just, it's just that Thrive has been the page builder, specifically the architect product that I, I've wasted the most time in, and it's just been it's just been a, a terrible experience since I used the first versions when it was the content builder, Thrive Content Builder. And then they rebranded it to Architect, but I, I know what it is. We all know what it is. So anyway, I had to rewrite and edit and you know, fix the copy on the sales page, which I did. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. I put it off for a long time. And then I worked on it one Friday afternoon. I think I had too much caffeine, one extra coffee. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna knock it out. And I did it. I knocked it out. It looked great. And through some unfortunate miscommunication and a migration from one hosting account to another with the folks I was working with, they missed my work. They even, like, they didn't migrate it. So it just disappeared. When they migrated to the new account or whatever it is they were doing, it was gone. It was gone. Now, they are, they're they're pros. So they made backups. But some way. Or another, my my uh, my changes—they were gone. They missed they missed my stuff whenever they ran the backup. I don't know how that's possible. There were multiple backups taken. My shit was gone. Now I was very sad because I went back to the page and it w- it looked like it did before, and I, I was not happy. The reason why I'm mentioning this because I started saying I don't like doing redundant work, rework, doing something again. Man, that just annoys the shit out of me. That's one of the worst things out of uh, sort of the corporate career that I had. There was often rework. There was, hey, work on this assignment, and then they slightly would change whatever the assignment was, and then you have to redo the whole thing. Most of it is the same. Maybe the formatting is just different. It was, it was so frustrating i did this yesterday obviously it's still kind of a raw <laughs> raw situation but the worst part was if i was um if i was using a tool that wasn't thrive if i was using uh, even just a plain like wordpress 2021 it would have been better but using a page builder you have to put in each little element so if you want to insert an image in the middle of text you have to like re copy and paste or cut and paste your content, move it around just so you can insert that image. It's just unnecessary. As I mentioned, this is the deal with most of those page builders out there. I'm using Kajabi for my courses right now, and it's a great platform overall, but you have to use a page builder as far as I could tell. I may investigate to see if I can get around it, but it's just great to work within... WordPress or what, you know, another CMS where you could just put the content in and not have to worry about the page builder elements and all that. So I think that probably just came off like me complaining, but I had to, I had to do work again. And I mean, I'm not doing all this stuff so I can sit in front of the laptop for longer. I'm doing this so I don't have to sit in front of the laptop at all. Okay. Thanks for indulging me in that. We'll talk about the advantages of buying a site, and if you have any advantages that I'm about to uh, miss here because I I didn't list too many, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. I think a lot of people are in the, the market to buy these sites. There's a lot of folks that do have capital to invest, and it's not... Not a huge deal if they, you know, maybe they buy a site for $5,000 and they have another five or 10,000 that they're ready to put into content over the next six or 12 months. It, I know it's a lot of money and I never, you know, sat down and when I first started and thought, all right, I got, you know, 10, 20 K I'm going to put into this. I was managing my expenses very closely. I was trying to do everything I could on my own and keep the cost as low as possible. It was a total side hustle. It was more of a hobby. So I was trying not to like waste money, but some people have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to invest sometimes, you know, up in the six figures, people were like, "Hey, I could buy a pretty substantial site and I have money to invest after that. So there's, there's a full range. And I know, If you are not in that position, you may think this stuff is bananas, but I mean, hopefully you'll be in a position sometime in the future where you can make investments like this. So one of the huge advantages of buying an existing site, kind of like Lisa did, was I mean, it is, there's traffic on the site already. You can see that it's ranking. You can see that people are searching in Google, landing on the site, making purchases. So it's not only getting traffic, but it's earning money. And you can clearly see that through analytics. You can go to third-party products like Ahrefs or SEMrush and see that the site is ranking organically for certain terms. And then if you can talk to the buyer, maybe do a screen share, they can show you their dashboards wherever they're earning money if it's Amazon or ShareSale or wherever they can log into their dashboards and show you via video so they can't doctor up any kind of uh, you know fake images or anything on video you can ask them to click around pull reports send them to you and you visually can see they're actually earning money that's a huge advantage especially let's say you already have some skills let's say you know that you can find some keywords and you can write the content yourself or hire some writers. If you find a site that's already ranking, maybe it has a few backlinks, maybe it just doesn't have much content, or maybe it doesn't have much content that could be monetized, you can come in, fill the gap, and turn a site around pretty quickly. There's a lot of success stories around that. So, huge advantage to have traffic already and know, that it's a niche that can pull in traffic and make some sales. If you're just getting started, one of the big things is having that trivial sort of routine work done and out of the way. We're talking about some of that early keyword research. We're talking about setting up the site, setting up the theme, setting, I guess, all those little uh, configuration details that you may not know how to do yet. You can learn them, of course, but I know whenever I pick up a new theme, there's uh, a couple days of just trying to figure out what the heck's going on. You have to read documentation, maybe watch some videos and research other sites that are using the theme. All that's taken care of. You're gonna get a site that looks good out of the box. A lot of times the done-for-you sites, they're using a cookie-cutter theme and format and layout, so... If you do go look at, say, human-proof designs, you'll see that they're using the same theme on every single one of the sites, you know? They may tweak things here or there, so things aren't exactly the same, but if you look at enough of them, you can certainly pick them out and see the common elements, the common formatting. There's no reason for them not to do it, and if it's a, if it's a format that looks good, if it's a, a theme that they're able to just use again and again, you know, there's no issue with doing that, but the point is, all that stuff's done. All that stuff's done and you don't have to worry about it. Further, when you talk about the specific content, let's say reviews, all of those are gonna be formatted using pretty much best practices. Most companies are not gonna set up the site where it's formatted poorly, where it's just a wall of text. There's usually custom images or at least stock images of high quality. Plus you'll have feature boxes for the products and it's written in a pretty tight template and format. And finally, if you are buying a done-for-you site or even a site that you know, you've purchased from an individual or a marketplace, you'll Probably feel pretty good about the foundation. Now, I try to I tried to say that in a specific way. You'll feel good about it. That doesn't mean the foundation is good. It just means you'll feel good about it. You'll you'll be confident. Like, hey, I just purchased this thing. And you, I mean, gosh, I hope you feel good after you buy something that's kind of expensive. You don't want to have buyer's remorse or anything. I know. You know, when Lisa was kind enough to share her story, it's definitely filled with you know a little bit of regret you can hear it through you know between the lines here you can kind of understand like lisa is worried hey did i make a big mistake waste time and money here what should i do so as far as feeling good hopefully you'll feel good and you will have a nice foundation to build upon but it could be the case and i've seen this um you know multiple times unfortunately number 1 if it's a, this particular example, this is a real example, it was a done for you site, and the person felt good for a while, but they started researching this done for you site, and they found that there were other similar sites on the same IP address. And it turned out, this was a student of mine, so they alerted me to the situation, asked me to have a quick look, and basically it looked like a done for you site company was selling these sites in similar areas. Actually, it was the same niche. It was literally the same niche. It was different keywords, but the sites looked the same except for the logo. All the content was formatted the same way and they were both on the same IP address, like literally the same reseller hosting account. And that's just like bad business practice. That is not something that, And you're you're not gonna be able to stay in business for long doing that kind of nonsense. And the unfortunate part is what one of the people, and I'm not mentioning any names or companies here intentionally. I mean, some of these people just go on to another project and keep doing shitty stuff. And you know, I'm not mentioning the name here because I don't wanna get in trouble or anything, but you gotta vet these companies and make sure you're dealing with um, good folks that are not gonna have like poor business practices and sell you, you know, beachfront property in Kansas, right? For the people not in the U.S., Kansas is a state that doesn't touch the ocean. It's in the middle of the country. So, okay. As far as buying a site that's earning already, I think you may be in better shape as far as getting a good foundation. Not always, right? But depending on the situation, there's a a good chance because if you can see a long history of traffic, earnings, and stability, that's a good sign. Now, I will say that's not always the case, right? You may have this long history, but if a site is in a decline over time, that could continue. We don't know. With the latest Google updates, it's really hard to tell whether or not you're gonna be in a situation where the next update is gonna hit you, right? This is what happened. At least everything was probably fine for a bit. And then boom, Google update in May, 2020. And then she lost a lot of the traffic. Plus you had the issue of the Amazon commission rate changing as well. So got hit double. Those are things just kind of outside of your control. So even though you may have a good foundation and actually that goes for if whether or not you build the site yourself or if you are buying a site the bigger issue with buying a site and then getting hit with a penalty is probably you paid a premium on buying the site so you'll be potentially losing more money not always but potentially there's more more risk and you have more on the line I said that wrong. There's more on the line. There's not necessarily more risk. All right, that sounds pretty good. So I think with these thoughts in mind, both options are okay. I know people that buy sites that are kind of out of the sandbox. They're making a little bit of money and maybe they want to purchase sites that are $2,000 to say $6,000. Adam Smith over at Niche Website Builders. I think that is sort of like his sweet spot, but he likes to buy existing sites that have a little traction, and then he'll come in and do do more. He'll publish more content. He'll find more keywords. He'll get some backlinks, and he'll build the site up, and then he'll flip it. I know some other folks like Shana Newman over at Skip Blast. She, I believe, builds most all of her sites from scratch, and then she'll get them up to four, five, $6,000 per month and then sell them. So they were both featured on other episodes. If you want to have a listen, you could look up their episodes. So I'm gonna move on to the niche website builders Q&A segment, and I'm gonna kick it off by telling you about the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign that they're working on for me. I've been giving more updates in this segment because I'm getting so many emails of what's going on with it. People really wanna know how these campaigns are going. I'll keep it brief, I can probably do a whole episode on just what's going on with it, but it's been running for about five months here. I have 51 links total. There are, let's see, the domain rating, as reported by hrefs, average for those 51 links is 47.6. Here's a bit of an update the URL rating for the home page of my site is 26, and the domain rating for my overall site is 46. So, this is a five month old site, and it shot up roughly from, I think, 10 or so a month ago for the domain rating, like 10 or 11, up to 46. Overall, there are 90 referring domains and 47 do follow domains. I usually, when I start up a new site, which this, this was a new site, it is a new site, I will do a blog commenting campaign. So for a little while, I did blog commenting, so that accounts for the other referring domains. And right now, I have you know 51 links from the shotgun skyscraper campaign and I don't think all of those links are noted or denoted rather in that tally of 47. So not all of them are listed. So there's probably, I don't know how far behind they are, probably a few days at least, and there are more links coming in all the time. First question, this one is from share. So she was replying back to a case study and basically it was a success story and she she mentioned hey these success stories are good i like the case studies but since i don't know the niche it's kind of hard to grasp why and how he or she succeeded any ideas so share a good question and basically i try not to out anyone's specific niche but At this point in time, there are so many niches that I know are, I mean, they're going to work out and there's so many more that are not even in this list. So I just said, I know people that have been successful in the outdoor niche, prepping and survival, different home appliances, exercise and fitness, technology, and then you can drill down into certain areas, uh, like with exercise and fitness, maybe you go deep into yoga or ultra marathons for technology. Maybe you go into laptops or cameras, recording equipment of some kind. Maybe you get into, uh, what, is, what are those little microcomputers, those raspberry pies, maybe you go that route. So if you can find niches where products are selling, usually there's a way to earn money in that niche. Maybe it is through reviewing the products in our standard affiliate model. You review products, you sell physical products via Amazon, or it could be completely out of Amazon. Maybe it's for a software company and you review the software, you teach people how to use it. Maybe it's a keyword research tool, right? There's a ton of them out there. Usually they have great affiliate programs. And if you have some traffic, you can review those products and you can, make, you can make those sales fairly straightforward. So basically, if you just go over to Amazon and start looking at different departments, basically, you can just pick any of them. I mean, some are going to be more competitive, some are going to be better than others. But in general, Amazon's selling products from any of those departments and you'll probably be able to go in that niche, whichever one you pick. So I usually recommend these days, it's great if you can have some amount of interest. You don't have to be passionate necessarily, but if you're kind of interested in the idea, in the products, in the general topic, even just the audience, or maybe you have a relative who's interested in that area, that could be enough for you to, have just a little more interest. If it's something completely arbitrary, when things get tough, you're maybe gonna lose interest. Maybe you're gonna quit. But if you are interested in the topic, at the very least, you have that. You have that intrinsic kind of desire to learn more about it, to produce content around it, just because it's fun, not for any other reason. So, all right. I think I got a few more minutes here just to burn for fun. And I did have some other topics. Again, I, I had a couple of post-it notes out and I was just like, man, there's some things that I keep thinking I want to tell you about and then I, I forget to do it or I run out of time or whatever. So a couple of episodes ago, I talked about um, like things I learned in 2020. And one of them, one of the biggest ones was that I worked pretty well alone. And working from home doesn't bother me at all. Now, I have worked from home off and on since I would say 2008 or so. Maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah, around that. that was back in my management consulting days. And oftentimes we would work from home for like one day a week, depending on the project you were working on and all that. And then as time went on, my client that I was working for, they had a lot of people working from home just in general. Office leases were up. It was at and I mean, I'm not saying anything bad. So they were consolidating space. Uh, offices moved. A lot of times people were just working from home anyway. In Atlanta, traffic is you know, you know, rough occasionally. So if people had the opportunity to work from home, a lot of times they did. Another thing that was happening was People would be double booked for meetings and then they wouldn't actually go to the physical meeting space. Even if everyone was co-located, we wouldn't even go to the conference room. We would just take the call at our desk while we were on another call, which is weird. Like how, how can anything actually get done if you're in two meetings at the same time? But hey, that's what we did. So over time, it led to more people working from home. All that to say, at some point in time, I was working from home like 95% of the time. I didn't even have to go in, but I would go in every now and then just so I can go sit in the cube. And to be honest with you, it was kind of fun. I had um, I had just like a, a regular cube on, I think it was like the 20 25th or 26th floor in the AT&T building in Midtown Atlanta. So people in Atlanta, it's the one right off of uh, like North Avenue and Peachtree and West Peachtree, right off the highway. And I went to school across the street at Georgia Tech. So it was kind of kind of cool. I was basically on a floor by myself. There was maybe one or two other people up there and you had a great view of the city. No one was around. You could just do your work. I mean, it was pretty cool. The downside, of course, is you had to drive to Midtown Atlanta then park in the parking deck, walk around, take the elevator up. But hey, it was kind of fun to do once every few weeks. And eventually, like I said, I worked from home all the time. So I've had years to get used to it. Of course, with quarantining and, and the pandemic hitting everyone, a lot of other people were working from home. I know a lot of folks struggled with it and do struggle with working by themselves and they need more interaction. Now I'm lucky because I can do, uh, for example, live streams on YouTube. I have friends that I have, uh, I guess, met online and I can chat with them online. And I'm usually in some sort of a mastermind group where I catch up with someone who understands what I'm doing and the things that I'm into, you know, once every two weeks. And I think that's a really positive thing, a really healthy thing that helped, I guess, made it easier over time for me to work alone. The other thing is I may just be a weirdo and it's totally fine for me to work in my office, not really talk to anyone so much. I do spend a lot of time outside. I have seen some of my friends, they, they're they like, yeah, man, I haven't gone outside in um, like a week or two. And I'm like, that's crazy. I'm outside for hours a day, at least. Sometimes I may, maybe overdo it and just I'm like, hey, you know what? I'd rather walk outside and go on a hike than, than do work today. And may, maybe I should do a little more work here and there. But I mean, what are we doing this stuff for anyway? It's mostly so we can not sit in front of the computer. So one of the big things I learned is I'm all right working alone and it is just fine with me. In fact, I was, this is a weird thing. I was a little bit, annoyed that there were more people walking around outside because they were working from home. They couldn't go to the office. So normally I could go on a walk and not see anyone. I would just take Georgie out. It'd be nice. And since March, there's more people out there walking. There's groups of kids. There's uh, families walking around. I mean, it's positive stuff. It's good. Those people should get outside more often, but I was used to having my own my own little, uh, I guess, green space, which was just a public area that really wasn't my own. But it's good that those folks are getting outside. All right. And the last, the last rambly sort of final thought here is I'm thinking about maybe doing some more stuff with the financial independence topics. I know I've gotten good feedback from certain folks in the audience. And if you are into, financial independence and personal finance, shoot me an email. Please let me know that you are interested. Feedback at doug.show. I have a couple ideas on the route I can take with it. I'm not 100% sure what I'll do or if I'll do anything. I, I may just punt it ahead. It may just be an okay idea, but I may explore it a little bit more. I have enjoyed meeting people in the FI community. I like a lot of the topics they talk about. I think there's a lot of similar ideas and topics with side hustles and working for yourself and entrepreneurship and being financially independent. So if you are interested, even in a non-specific way, let me know. I, I I may contact you for more info and I'd appreciate any feedback. So that wraps it up for 2020. And we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend there. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. I want to let you know about some courses that I have. First is multi-profit site. It's a step-by-step framework to start a site, beginning at keyword research and competition analysis, and we move into publishing content, outsourcing, and promoting the website. And it even goes deeper into creating an email list, using it for marketing, of course, and making more money, and even selling your site. Now, if you already have a site and you're looking to grow it, i.e. get more traffic and get more revenue, then check out Site Growth Plan which helps you assess where your site is currently execute a gap analysis. So you know what you need to work on and in what order it'll help you prioritize and execute in the most efficient way. Next is Haro link building. And that shows you how to get started and get white hat links with media outlets at virtually no cost. Well, other than your time. Yes, your time is very valuable, but these links are great and even Google can't ignore them. They can't help but like it. The course teaches you the basics of HARO, how to submit pitches to media outlets that are actually requesting them, plus how you can outsource the whole process and put it on autopilot. One of the units even covers how to turn the process upside down and using HARO as a reporter yourself. The reverse Haro technique helped me land some amazing backlinks in even less time than I thought was possible. You can go to courses.nichesiteproject.com to see the course offerings and some other things that I'm working on that help support this podcast and feed Georgie the border collie. And it does help pay for some delicious craft beers. And that's for me. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates.